beautiful atmosphere. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are here present in our midst, that you have given us yourself, that you speak to us individually and corporately, God. You have a a voice that is being conveyed to us, Lord, in our hearts. Let, Let the word that you are speaking be planted today, Lord God. Let it be planted and watered and flourish, God. Let it blossom and bloom. Lord, we don't depend on ourselves, on our own strength. And Lord, as I come to speak, I don't want to depend on my own intellect or my own understanding. But Lord, I want to depend on you, on your leading, on your speaking. On your ability, Lord, to lead us into truth, to guide us into all truth. So, Lord, no matter what I say, I pray that you would speak into each and every one. Amen. Amen. So, have you all been having a good long weekend? Is it? Everywhere can it makes no difference to some of us. Anybody got big plans for tomorrow? The yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your plans for tomorrow? Big voice. Oh, cool. Excellent. Wow. So good. Well, Caroline and I uh, succumbed to the temptation of camping on a long weekend. So we've, we're camping with Aaron and Emily up at Racecourse. So after the service, we'll be kind of taken off pretty quick to head back up there. But, um, but we couldn't miss this, right? So, um, yeah, the last couple of weeks, two, two or three weeks, um, we've kind of cycled back into um, this theme that we had from last year, um, simply called H2O, which stands for something. Three words. Two H, one O. Um, and and I want to um, just dive into a bit of that. But um, here's the thing. I want to actually... I want to pose some questions for us. Here we go. Should, is, it, is it true that we should never be thirsty in God? Is this, is this enough of a trick question? Say it, again. No. Say it again. Is it true that we should never be thirsty in God? No. Right. Jesus uses the metaphor of water, which, you know, for those of us who have probably graduated as far as high school, would know H2O is the chemical description of the compound of water. And Jesus uses water as a metaphor for the work of the Holy Spirit on a few occasions. Um, And one of the most well-known and well-loved passages is where he encounters this Samaritan woman at a well in the heat of the day and It's kind of topical because they're at a well and she's come to get water and Jesus uses this as a a way of actually opening her heart 
to what the deeper issues are, right? So he says to her in John 4, he says, everyone who drinks this water, obviously pointing to the well, this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So maybe I'll ask you again. Oh, maybe we're not so sure now. Am I meant to not be thirsty? Because Jesus said with the water he gives, obviously a metaphor, not literal, because he pointed to the well and said, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. You'll get thirsty again. If you, but with what I give you, you will never thirst. Yeah, so we have people in the room who know their Bible, right? So it is a trick question. <laughs> because Jesus tells us that we won't be thirsty again if we're drinking of what he gives us. But there, and there is a powerful truth in this because the truth is that only having the Spirit of God living in you, in us, will satisfy our inner thirst. But we shouldn't push the meaning of a metaphor too far. And this is one of the things when we're reading Jesus' parables, especially, or some of the prophets that use some very descriptive pictures, we, we actually have to learn not to push the metaphor beyond what the author or what God is actually trying to say in the moment. Because exactly as you said, elsewhere, Jesus does say, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we'll come to that in a moment. Because thirst itself then is a metaphor for the condition of our soul. See, Jesus isn't talking about our physical need for liquid H2O. He's talking about something deeper. And that's what he's talking about to the woman at the well. She doesn't get it at first as you read through the story. She's like, cool, give me that water and then I won't have to keep coming back here and getting the water out of the well. She, She doesn't get it, so he needs to take her on a journey. But it is a metaphor for the condition of our soul. When David, King David, in the Old Testament was out in a desert, one of his wilderness moments, And uh, Psalm 63 actually describes at the top, and and that's not a translator's edition, that's in the Hebrew text. There is a little description. It says, while he was in the desert of Judah, he wrote this, Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And David himself let God give revelation that the picture of what he was seeing in, in his literal surroundings of a desert, a dry and thirsty land, became a window to the condition of his soul. I long for you, God. I need you. 
And we need to let that speak to us. And, you know, that's kind of what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5 verse 6, where he says amongst the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So it comes with a promise. So the vital question then for us is what am I thirsting for? And how am I trying to satisfy that thirst? Last night, I was um, another trip down from Crescent Head back to Port. I had a gig. I was playing at Finian's, rocking out. Massive crowd. It was crazy. Like when we got there, they had like a hundred teenage rugby league state people. It was mental. Now, because they're all like 15, 16 junior rugby people, they actually didn't stay for the gig. So they moved out. But the next wave came in. It was a busy night from go to, you know, all the way through to midnight. It's crazy. And there's a lot of people, what do they do in a pub? They drink. Now, if I got, if I, every time I was physically thirsty, I grabbed a beer, what would you call me? An alcoholic, a drunk, you know, obviously not look here. Let, let me have your credential, sir. Um, <laughs> um, no, but obviously I'd be looking for the wrong thing to satisfy my thirst and probably, you know, in the physical, in the natural. And, you know, there's softer versions of that. My, my parents, bless them, I, I love them very dearly, but they grew up in a generation where all you drank was tea and coffee. Well, is there any medical people in the room who could tell me what's wrong with only drinking? Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Apparently there's nothing wrong with it. Caffeine, I know what caffeine does to me, right? Actually makes me get rid of water. <laughs> I mean, they get the, the, the up-down effect of caffeine. It's like, yeah, no effect now. My dad can have a coffee at midnight and then go straight to bed and... The only effect is on the bladder. So again, if I was trying to satisfy my physical thirst, my need for water by drinking coffee, I would actually be doing myself harm. You know, when we need water, we need water. So, you know, David... David, his longing really describes something far deeper. Something that is, I believe, just a common part of what it means to be human. To having a, a deep longing for God. Even, even those who might deny that, it's, it's kind of the position they've been trained into. They are the person who thinks, I'm thirsty, I'll grab a cup of coffee. They don't understand the deep longing of their soul. But there is a place for that hunger and thirst in our world. There's a desperate need. And ultimately, it's only the Spirit of God. And, you know, in John's Gospel, a few chapters further on, we find Jesus adding to the picture of what he's talking about with living water. You know, when he stands up 
in the middle of a great crowd in Jerusalem and says, in John chapter 7 this is, on the, um, he, he says to this crowd at this massive festival in Jerusalem, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, and here's John's commentary actually interpreting for us, not all biblical authors do that, and when they do, they don't do it very often, but he actually is making it black and white, clear as crystal. Jesus is actually talking about the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given. John's he wants people to understand, but now the implication, the Spirit has been given. The Spirit has been poured out. But Jesus was prophesying what was to come. And so we have this theme, H2O. I want to put a tagline on it, stay thirsty. Because it's easy to have a little theme for a little while and then we lay it aside and we move on. We don't get to move on from this. I think for us it's, it's actually, it's almost like the more I've thought about it, you know, when, when, when we came up with it last year, it was about three very practical things. The first H is health. There was a lot of sickness around and we just thought that's not good enough. We're going into a season of prayer. And, and the H2O last year was about prayer. It was about us praying and having some focus in our prayer. And the first thing was health. And that whole notion of health actually guided our prayers through that time. That we were praying for those who were sick, long-term sickness, but um, you know, just sickness in general. The second was... Sorry? Yeah, emotional health. So sickness broadly, everything, you know, where people need to be made well. Um, and the other two were hub, H for hub. And we're talking about actually, and I'll come back to these, but hub being, we're actually beginning to pray about... Um, It's a big topic, really, but it's what is God wanting us to do in the community besides be individual believers in our own spheres, which is absolutely 100% all of the time. We all have a mission. God has a purpose for us. It doesn't have to be like this militant thing, but just to live out who you are as a person filled with living water, as a fountain coming up from inside to be present in our communities and affecting them. Now, there's an individual element to that, but hub was then more, yes, but who are we as a people? What is God wanting us to do? And there's kind of geography in that. There may be questions of real estate and whatever. And we didn't actually resolve that, but we were praying into it. And I, I feel like we need to continue. I've been feeling particularly stirred this year, the last few months, you know, every now and then I'll go, oh, I'll just start looking at properties and 
seeing what's available around the place. And I'll flick, you know, little real estate ads to Caroline and stuff, you know, thinking, could it be this? Could it be that? But the, th- the third thing, and this is really important, the third thing, O, stands for outreach. Because there's no point having a hub and being a healthy church if we can't see outside our own walls. All of these three things are very, very much interwoven. They, it's, like you, it's like a molecule that you can't separate. If you try and do one without the other, it's, it's not. It's something else, you know? And I don't think it's any accident. I think God had in mind more than we understood when we picked this nice little catchphrase, H2O. And the more I've sat and thought about it, the more he's actually spoken to me about it. But yeah, we are called to be a people who look outwards because that's God's mission. You know, that that whole thing about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, I, I guess I always really saw that in personal terms about being good. But, you know, I actually think Jesus means a whole lot more than sort of right behaviour when he talks about righteousness there. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is not just personal. It's having a vision for outworking, just as we we're singing. It's having an, out, an outworking in our lives for the kingdom of God. You know, Paul really picks up on this in 2 Corinthians 5. And a lot of us would know that, um, that this, there's this amazing verse, verse 17, where he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. What a beautiful promise for every single one of us to know that God has made us new. That whatever came before, that in Christ I am a new person, a new creation. Not just a rehash of the old, not re- refurbished, you know, my, my poor old motorbike's done 117,000 k's. It's getting a bit rusty. It needs me to pull it apart and get rid of some rust and you know, check a few things and put it all back together and it'll be shiny and good. That's not what he's saying. He's saying brand new motorbike, straight out of the factory, good to go. Right? <laughs> Prophesy. No, um... <laughs> a new creation a new creation what a beautiful promise but Paul has so much more in view when he starts talking about this because he goes on from anyone who is in Christ being a new creation to draw our eyes out to say God has much bigger view of what new creation is He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, gave us the service of reconciliation, the job, the task of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. 
not apart from Christ, through Christ, God is reconciling the whole world, not counting people's sins against them. And there's a word for us sometimes too in how we go about it. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. See, H2O is not, it can't be about growing this. It's about reaching the world. And whatever this is, is inextricably linked to that. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Because we are in Christ and God is still calling out that message, we are those who carry it. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What a beautiful message though, to be reconciled to God. And here's where he ties it in to righteousness. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's not something that we have. It's not something that we do. It's who we are. It's who you are in Christ. You are the righteousness of God. So when we hunger and thirst for it, we will be filled. That righteousness will overflow, be so present and real to us. So I just want to cycle back very quickly to the H2O words. Because health now for me is not only about physical healing, and we will always pray and believe, you know. We will always be seeking God for what he is saying in any situation. What, you know, when we're praying, when we're ministering healing, God could be doing a number of things in that space. But we will always stand with people who are battling sickness because we believe that's part of the gospel message. It's part of the message of reconciliation, of a new creation. Is there room for sickness in God's new creation? Absolutely not. So we live in a world, my faith is imperfect. You know, if you come to me, I will absolutely pray for you, but I may not on that occasion have a gift of healing to impart. Could be many. I, I love that. For those of you who weren't at church camp last weekend, great weekend. Thank you to everybody who came and who helped, and Chris especially, I want to say thank you. you. You put in a lot. You put in a lot last weekend. Um, but, you know, James, I don't think he'd mind me telling this story, but James Williams was actually kind of incapacitated on Saturday afternoon with severe pain, and it's not like a new thing. It didn't just occur, but it flared up. Se- severe sciatic pain all the way down his leg. He was laying on his bed. He couldn't move. And um, I think it was one of his boys. Oh, well, anyway... They came, we gathered around, 
We prayed and declared healing over his body. And after about five minutes and you know, a few different people just praying and bringing what they felt God put on their heart, um, he kind of lifted his leg up weird. And I was like, okay, what's going on? But then he started moving it around and then he just sat up and went, wow, the pain had just gone completely. So praise God, right? The thing is, it's no longer only about that. That's where it, kind of where we started last year, I think, with the health thing, you know, with seeing people set free from stuff. But I actually believe it's about being a healthy church. It's about being a people who are growing in our faith, who are growing in our intimacy and knowledge of God. You know, that experiential knowledge where God is at work in our midst. We're actually growing in that. I love this passage in, um, at the start of 2 Peter in, in the first chapter. Peter says two things that almost seem at odds when you, you know, at a surface reading, because he starts off in verse 3 saying, His divine power, that's God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. It's everything we need has been given. It's a bit like you will never thirst, isn't it? It's a bit like that. Just a couple of verses down, what does he say? For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. So add to your faith actions. Goodness is, is like not an invisible quality that you... You know, goodness is doing good, Right? Exhibiting the character of God in, in your actions. And to goodness, knowledge. Grow in your knowledge of God. Get to know him better. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. Gosh, we need that sometimes. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. I don't know if he picked that order for any big reason. I would have probably put love somewhere up the start there. But maybe what we need is to see that all these things, as we exercise them, we begin to see this is what love looks like. Love for God and love for people. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, stay hungry, stay thirsty, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus is productive or ought to be. There are outcomes, there are things that happen in our lives because we know Jesus So we add to what we have, and maybe you could describe it as Peter saying, look, it's all yours. It's all there. You need to unpack it. 
You need to start putting it into practice. And what will happen is your life will be fruitful. And I think health, in a way, in that sense of us being a church and being a people who individually are growing in God and corporately are growing in our capacity for God to move in our midst, are growing in our love for one another, our mutual affection, as he says. He actually says, add to that. We need to sometimes work on that. You know? I think we've probably all experienced things, whether it might be people in your in your family, your blood relatives, and you're like, I have to work on loving you right now. Um, you know, sometimes those closest to us, we have to work on it. But just in our relationships in the church, friends or acquaintances, might be someone we know very well, might be someone we don't know at all, or you know, don't know well. But there are times when we actually have to actively choose to add to our faith these things. And when we become healthy, then having a hub has a purpose. It would be stupid to have a great facility and be doing nothing with it other than gathering on Sunday. I think that's one of the kind of the blights of the church now is that they have these big buildings that stand empty. You know, and praise God when they start using them to bless the community, to do things like soup kitchens and Whatever, you know, whatever it might be. And it doesn't have to always be to the poor, but often it is. So we're not about, you know, sort of attaining some sort of status tick of, oh, now we've got a building. You know, we've been here eight years. I was sitting talking with, we, we um, meet once a month with a bunch of ministers, whoever can come, and we have lunch together. And one of the other ministers just last week, beginning of last week, um, had um, done 11 years of being an extension ministry from another church in their, in their denomination up in Brisbane. He'd done 11 years of that, setting up every week, packing away in uh, a building that didn't belong to the church. But his comment was, having done that and been involved in various other ministries over the years, he said, I reckon after six or seven years... Churches need to have their own facility. And there was just an interesting comment. We didn't have time to unpack it, why he felt that. But I have felt a great stirring that for us as a church, there is actually something for us to grapple with and to be seeking for what this hub thing means. Because it could look like all kinds of stuff. And we don't want to go, okay, let's go just grab a building just so we can get some real estate and then figure out what we want to do with it. I think that's back to front. We need to ask the question and get some conclusions. Lord, what is it that you want us to do? And then show us how to go about it and provide what is needed. So that's where we're sitting at. And so I want to invite all of you to, especially those who are local, but visitors as well, if God speaks to you, awesome, right? <laughs> They're working on you, are they? <laughs> because the third thing 
oh, we are all about outreach as well. We are all about God's message of reconciliation, God's call, his cry out to all creation, to the whole world. You belong to me and I want to be reconciled with you. For God so loved the world that he gave his own son. How did he do it? By moving into our space. By revealing God through everything he said, everything he did. Jesus Christ, thank you, Lord, that you are leading us on this journey. I pray you would continue to unpack in our hearts what it means to be people of the Spirit, people with living water, people who belong to Christ and are now outworking your ongoing mission in the world, that your spirit is leading us, just like you led those, those first disciples and apostles after Pentecost, that you continued to lead them to fulfill the mission that, that you had already in mind. The, the message of the kingdom that Jesus preached was not the kingdom somewhere far, far in the future. He demonstrated it here and now by what he did. He sent the disciples out with power and authority to preach the message of the kingdom. Lord, we want to be those who demonstrate your kingdom. Yes, Lord, your coming kingdom, and we eagerly await. But Lord, here we are at this moment, and we want to be faithful to the calling you have for us right now. So Lord, I just pray, God, Holy Spirit, come invade our space, invade our hearts in ways where there's no darkened corners. Lord, let your, that living water just keep flowing up. And may we never stop being thirsty for more of you. Amen. Amen.